Let's welcome Rich as he just comes to share. Uh, thanks, Rich. So one of the things that they, they say to you when you're doing a video for online is that you must always make sure that you're smiling. Um, so today I'm going to make sure that I'm smiling. But I want to ask with a, with a question, and it's not a, it's not a trick question, so don't, don't feel like you can't answer it. It's not a trick question. I want to ask you three things, and I want you to put your hand up if you can answer yes to those three things. So the first thing is, do you have a past? Not a trick question. Do you have a present? And do you have a future? Okay, so my, my preach is done. <laughs> we all realize exactly what I'm going to preach on today. Sorry, Debs. So we're continuing with our Philippine series. Um, good morning. My name's Richard. Now that I've established that you've got a past, a present, and a future, let me tell you who I am. My wife up at the front here, Lindsay. Daughter, Caitlin. Son, Jonathan. Um, awesome to just be able to spend this morning with you to share a little bit of what God's laid on my heart. A week, as anyone who stood up here, um, El Rico, who stood on, uh, up here on Saturday, the speakers that were so good yesterday, I heard the ladies' time was really, really good. Um, knows that this is not a, an easy task. It's not a task that um, <laughs> I see Micah shaking his head over there. Um, last week he's here to do uh, breaking of bread and so he asked me earlier, do you ever not get nervous? Because I was so nervous last week. And the answer is no, you don't. You're always nervous, you're always considering. And a couple of weeks ago I got a, a prophetic word from a lady that said that God is going to work on your father's heart. And as we were worshipping today and I was looking around, and it's so nice to be able to see smiles and to see faces, not just eyes lighting up. Um, just amazing to see what God is planting in my heart for you. Um, and I'm hoping that this word, as it comes from me, from God, to you, would encourage you with the next. So we've been challenged during the Philippine series. As we're going through it, as we're looking at it, we've had um, a lot of lessons learnt. And anyone who's preached on Philippines will tell you that as they've dug into each chapter and each verse and each, there is so much content there. So today we're going to look at verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1 to chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to go through that. And I had so many lessons. I could have been here for the, the four and a half hours that um, we have for the rest of the day. But I know some people have to get to golf. I know some people have to get to... Um, to lunch, uh, people have to get to homework, all that type of thing. So I'm not going to take too much of your time this morning. So let's just have a little, little recap quickly. Let's have a look at um, what we've learned so far. What um, are the key messages that have come out of the Philippine series so far? And for me, they've been that Philippines encourages us to live a life that advances the gospel despite our circumstances. So we remember that, that our story should be the lived-out expression of Jesus. So as we see Jesus and what he did and how we did it, Paul is encouraging the church of the Philippians to do likewise, to go and do the same. He's encouraging them in their walk with God. That we are called to lead a life worthy of the calling. 
worthy of the calling that Jesus has got on our lives, on, on you as an individual. So I started saying, do you have a past? Do you have a present? Do you have a future? This is an individual message. As much as it was a, a letter to the church, as much as it was a letter to the church, it was also a letter to individuals within that church to respond to that, what God was calling them to do. The message in, this, 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 um, in Philippines is also that Christ humbled himself for us, for you, for me. He humbled himself for us. And that in this universal church, and we be careful when we say universal church, as Craig said the other day, in this church that we are part of, that there are others that act as an example to us and are an example to us and who we are. So like I said, we're going to look at Philippians 3 verse 1 to 4 verse 1 today. Deep, deep messages there. And I'm not saying that just because I got to preach on it and the other guys are preaching on the other stuff. But I think in order for us to understand exactly what is going on in this chapter, we need to understand the person who is writing this chapter. So let's go back just a little bit, a little bit to get to know who this Paul is. And the first time we get introduced to Paul is at a, a moment in the, the Christian church where Stephen gets stoned. He stands up and he, he, he gives an overview of, of the past of the Jewish nation. And then he kind of indicates to everyone what their future will be and what their presence should be. And this is the response that he gets from the Jewish leaders. It says here in uh, Acts 7 verses uh, 58, it says, At this they, and I'm saying the Jewish leaders, covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, Stephen, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. This is our first introduction to this man called Saul, who later becomes Paul. And it says, Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. On the next slide, one of the key verses for me that I just couldn't get over was this. And Saul approved of the killing. And then the next key verse for me out of that was, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. As Stephen declared that, we realize the redemptive power of our God. Saul, Paul, said he agreed with the killing of the Christian, of the followers of the way. You see later he goes on to, and he says here, it says here, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all expect the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men were buried Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Saul agreed to it, and he persecuted the church. His past was that of persecution of the church. Yet we listen to what message he brings to the Philippine church at a later stage, which is a message of encouragement that your past is past, your present is what is important. And your future is what you continue living for. A message of, yes, I acknowledge I had a past. 
yes, I acknowledge that there is something for me to do in the present, and it's all because there is a future for me. Those are the five lessons we're going to look at today. Paul continues to say, and he confirms it in Philippines that he had a past. He says, as for zeal, persecuting the church. Which means, if you look at the word zeal, if you just go to the next slide there quickly, um, it won't show you, or two slides on. I'm going to get like James and say, go back, forward, back, forward. Um, Sorry, I'm going to mess the guys around. Past, present, future. Um, Included in the show. So, zeal. So Paul said that he enthusiastically persecuted the church. His one aim was to persecute the church. His one aim was to hold something against the church that challenged his way of lifestyle, the way that he had been brought up and his, his past. Saul to Paul, past, present, future. I don't know if uh, we all watch Netflix or Disney Plus, not going to punt any specific streaming service. That's not what I'm here for. But there's a lot of these legal dramas that take place on these uh, um, on these streaming services, if I can put it that way, on these TVs, televisions, um, boxes. Uh, there's a lot of these things that take place, these legal dramas. And one of the first things that I see, and I spoke to someone the other day, and they said, don't take everything that you see on these legal dramas as truth. Um, one of the things that we see is that the first time you kind of have to go into the court, what does they bring? They bring a character witness. Say, so this guy is so good, such a nice person, such a great person. I don't know why you're telling us that he did X, Y, and Z. And they then say, try and build up this guy's character to say he's a good. I don't think Paul was a very good character witness in this letter, where he said, you know, my character was terrible. I was bad. I did this. I did that. I, and he tells this to the Philippines, the church of the Philippines. Philippines. Philippi. A little bit different. Just one's there, one's there. Um, yeah. So he tells this to them. He says to them, my past is tainted. If you look back, you're not going to find a perfect human being. You're going to be find someone that as Stephen spoke and said, Lord, do not hold the sin against them that Jesus saw Saul. And he said, I'm not going to hold your condemnation of the church against you, but I'm going to make you someone that people will look at and the kingdom will be advanced based on that. The redemptive power of our Christ, of our King. Paul knew his past and he knew his present created more of an opportunity for him and to share his testimony and to be a testimony to others. He knew that his present situation, his circumstances that he was in under house arrest, also created an opportunity to utilize himself as an example. Don't be afraid to utilize yourself as an example out of being humble. We've all had a past. We've all had a present. We all have a future. But we also got to utilize who we are to encourage others around us. Don't be scared of what, what lies in those deep, dark secrets. God knows. And God encourages others through that. I also want to just pause a little moment there and just say that past isn't determined by age. So you might be 62. Your past is just a little bit longer than someone who's five. Past isn't determined by age. Everyone has a past in some form or another. Um, So don't allow your age to say, actually, I only have a present and and a future. 
There is a past that is shaped, molded. We don't blame who we are on the past, but we allow it to, under, to determine how God has worked within us over the ages. And I'm not saying that everyone's past has to necessarily be bad. As I read through this chapter, Philippians 3 verse 1 to, to 4, 4, 4 verse 1, I was just encouraged by the fact that every line challenged me. Every line spoke something. You heard um, Andrew this morning when he was sharing. It was completely different to what I had picked up out of the, 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 that chapter. So he spoke about the resurrection power, which Paul speaks about in this, this chapter. But I just, I'm just, yeah, like I said, four and a half hours would not be enough to go through this chapter. James and Annette, when they did their, their um, version, their sermon, their message, also struggled to get the meat of what is in this verse, in these, this letter, um, out to everyone. But they did such a good job in just creating a platform for us to go and then explore it more. I don't have definitives. I don't have all the lessons here today for, for everyone. That's, that's between you and God also sometimes, is that you've got to go and say, Lord, Philippians 3, verse 1 to 4, verse 1, what is it saying to me? What is the challenge on my heart? Why is it challenge Richard in this way? Andrew in this way? What is it challenging me, me with? So what are the lessons that I'm going to look at? So I'm going to look at five lessons um, from, from Philippians verse 3, Verses 1 to 4, verse 1. But let's just start out here in Philippines 3, 2 to 6. It says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators. I know you said manipulators. Mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision. We who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for such confidence. As we've seen, he was brought up in a certain way. If someone else thinks they have, they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. So according to the law and according to his past, Saul to Paul was perfect, faultless. No fault in front of the law. But then he goes on in, his, in this verse, he says that if we don't put our confidence in the flesh, we put our confidence and we boast in the Lord. So lesson number one, or challenge number one, is that we boast in the Lord and do not have confidence in the flesh. So we look at Paul's example and we go back to Saul and you can see that he put confidence in the law, confidence in doing things right, being righteous according, in right standing with God according to the law. Missing the fact that Jesus had come, he continued pressing in to the law and implemented the law wherever he could go. I think he realizes that this can be a foundation for others to just shift from what you're currently looking at, currently see as your focus, and move back to that fact that Jesus came. Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. He owns your past. He owns everything that went on in there. I find it interesting that as a human race, 
we've learned to put confidence in things <laughs> which are quite, if you go back quite a long time ago, quite difficult to put confidence in. We've learned to put confidence that a plane will stay in the sky when we get on it. We've learned that it's just day to day. We get in there, we sit in the seat, and we know that we'll arrive in Durban in a couple of oh, 45 minutes' time. It's that kind of confidence that we've learned to put in earthly things. God is saying here that you don't put your confidence in law. You don't put your confidence in earthly things. You don't put your confidence in possessions that you boast in him and who he is. Through Paul's conversion, his eyes have been opened to the reality of the new covenant, the reality of this Jesus Christ. In saying all that he's saying in this, this verse, he is warning us to be aware of placing confidence in the ability to win our ability, our ability to win the prize. Our prize comes from Jesus. Our prize is Jesus. Our boast, our bonus, our payout our, is from Jesus. Again, from an earthly perspective and from a worldly perspective, we put confidence that we will get that bonus if we do exactly what our boss says and how we do it in a working environment. God doesn't say we have to do anything to achieve his bonus. He says he gives us the bonus. He is what we can boast in. But Paul also realized in this letter that his past acts as an opportunity for something in the, into, the, into the present. And so if you have a look at Philippines 3 verses 12 to 16, he speaks of this present. And I'm going to have a look at three lessons underneath the heading of present. So how does our past not influence our, our, our present, but how does our past enable us to be more of an example to people in the present? So I'm going to read uh, Philippines 3, 12 verse 16 out of the message um, version. It's saying, I'm not saying that I have all this all together, that I've made it. But I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong, but by no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I've got my eye on the goal, where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on the goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we've on the right track, let's stay on it. So in the last second preparation, I realized that God was trying to teach me something too, um, that I'm also not perfect. So the second lesson is that we have not yet obtained perfection. And as I was just checking my slide, I realized that I'd put the wrong verse on the wrong, wrong slide and the wrong slide on the wrong verse. But God just got a good sense of humor there with me, just reminding me that we've not obtained this all. We've not obtained the price. We're not perfect in who we are. I'm going to ask a funny question. And this one is not to put up your hand because it's complicated to me. But do you know what the difference is between accepting that I'm not perfect and accepting that I'm not perfect? 
accepting that I'm not perfect in the one sense is realizing that I have not obtained all this, that I'm not perfect, that I've got gaps, that I've got flaws, that I'm human, that I'm not the perfect specimen that God has called me to be yet. On the other hand, other, other side, attaining all of this, accepting that I am not perfect can also mean that I accept it, that I, I agree with it, I'm not perfect, and so I'll continue down this path being not perfect, being filled with sin, accepting that I'll never meet up to God's expectation. So why? Why, why try and be anything but what God has called me to be? Why try and do that? I can just live a free world life. That's the difference between accepting that I'm not perfect and realizing that I need Jesus and accepting I'm not perfect and realizing that, and thinking that I can do what I want, where I want, how I want, with whatever I want. Jesus comes and says, you're not perfect. I will continue to work with you if you hold on to me. He says, hold on to me. Hold on to me. Paul encourages the church to hold on to him. Hold on to Jesus. I just really sense that word. Just give yourself a break. Give yourself a break. Don't expect yourself to be perfect. Don't expect yourself to read 12 hours of the Bible every week. Be on your knees every single moment of the day. Don't expect yourself to be perfect. If you live under that cloud, sorry. If you live under that cloud, you won't be living to what Jesus wants. Jesus says, I've accepted you. I've accepted you as not perfect. I accept that there's gaps. But I love you. I'm pulling you in. I'm drawing you closer. I love you. Sorry, I'm going to move on. You need 45 tissues. Tibbs, this is your fault. <laughs> that worship was uh, so, so emotive. So the second lesson is, we are not perfect. We have not yet obtained perfection. Some of the versions of this uh, scripture will say, not that I have really obtained all this and been made perfect. That's what some of the, the versions of this um, verse say. Give yourself a break. But give yourself a break in Christ. Next lesson. So again, this is where the, the imperfection of my slideshow comes up. We are called to press on to win the prize. Take hold of what I have called you to. I think Win, uh, Winston Churchill says, never give up. Never, 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 never. Um, unless on some certain topics. But um, we are called to press on. And I think this just ties up with that first kind of key phrase of um, that, um, what's his name, Craig? Craig Brinks. <laughs> Check when he's not here. Yeah. You better not watch the, the, the video. Uh, 
is, is that we are called to advance the gospel despite our circumstances. So there will be circumstances, there will be opposition, there will be some things that will say, no, no, just give up on that, don't press in through that, don't carry on, don't continue. Paul says in Philippians 3 verse 1 that he's not shy to say the same thing over and over and over again as long as it encourages the church and builds up and builds up the church. And that's what he's saying here is that we must press on. We must hold on to that what Christ has taken hold of us for. Again, it's this element of I've accepted that I'm not perfect, but I don't hold on to who he is. Hold on to him. Hold on to what he has called you to. I look around here and I just see such giftings in people some people have taken hold of that and they're running with it and they understand what it is to hold on to to christ i used to play a game in our hockey training where there's a if anyone knows what a hockey field looks like there's a big d on the hockey and you all used to get a ball you always get a stick and you had to hold on to your ball and if someone could hit your ball out of the, the D, then you're out of the game, so you stopped having fun. And so you had to kind of walk around and try and hold on to the ball with your stick, not hold on to it with your hand. Hold on and try and, and it gets violent. Guys will start flinging sticks and diving in and, because they want to get you out of the game. I know someone who wants to get you out of this game. I, want, I know someone who wants to kick you out wants to make you feel less than what you are. You've got to hold on to him. Hold on to your ball so that you stay in the game. But you do it through him again. Paul, again, tries to encourage Timothy. In 2 Timothy 2 verse 11, he says, Here is a trustworthy saying, If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure we will also reign in him, with him. If you're running in a race, and you're running in a relay race, so there's the baton that gets hand over between uh, participants, you're running the race for yourself, but you're also running the race for the team. So just consider that in this running, you're not doing it by yourself. You're doing it with others who are also pressing on, who are also holding tight, and are holding tight for you and with you. So this is where my PowerPoint gets perfect again. <laughs> Lesson four, or topic four, says we should live in what we have already obtained, attained. So I don't have the full prize. This is what Paul is saying. I haven't attained the whole, whole thing. I haven't attained the whole prize yet. But I press on. But I work with what... I have. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained, attained. What have we attained, if you think about it? We have a loving Christ who died for us, who brought us into relationship with him. If you've given your life to him, you have attained salvation. He has given it as part of that prize, part of that gift is that he's given us. So then work with it. We've been given... Through that salvation, we've been given freedom. So work with that freedom. Work with what has been put in your hand. I think I used the same saying when I spoke about um, giving generously. Is use what is in your hand. Give what is in your hand. Paul's encouraging the church 
and the people of the church to live a life worthy of the calling and in reminding them to take hold of what they have already been given. Take hold of what you've already been given and press into what Jesus is calling you to do. It is a forceful message to say, take what you've got and use it. Take what you've got and implement it. Take what you've got and make sure that it advances the kingdom. Paul realized that his future, and this takes us on to the last thing, wasn't tomorrow, wasn't the next day, but his future was a little bit longer than that. For Paul, he was constantly living under the threat that his life would be taken. If you watch um, Paul the Apostle of Christ, you'll see the threat that the Christian, the people, the followers of the way lived under in Rome. They were constantly being targeted for things that they weren't responsible for, held scapegoat for things that they weren't responsible for, and for challenging the fact that there was a king besides Caesar. Roman, and at that stage it wasn't Caesar, it was someone else. Um, But the reality is that his future could have been tomorrow. His future could have been 20 days' time. But it says in Philippians 3, 18 verse 21, and I'm not trying to get you down. I'm just trying to remind us of what Paul says. Paul says to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Paul says this, and so he understood this from his past, from his present. And he writes to the Philippine, in Philippines, not to the Philippine church. He says, for as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. It's not a downer. It's a celebration of what our future holds. We read the Bible. We base everything we do on the Bible. We see victory. I'm going to see a victory. We understand that Christ will conquer all. Christ has conquered all and is conquering all. Just a little bit out of context. Jesus says, in my house I have many rooms. So he's preparing this future for us. He's interceding for us for this future. If we live with an eternity mindset and don't get bogged down with having to prepare a preach for Sunday and to do blueprint on Sunday, we don't allow that to get bogged down, us bogged down. We understand that we do it for something different. What do you, you do? You do what you do in life for something different. Not because it's life, but because you've been called heavenwards, because Jesus has taken hold of you for something greater than just um, being bogged down by day-to-day activities. So Paul encourages the church in Philippi. Paul encourages us through the letters that there's this past, that there's this present, and that there's this future. We know that the present isn't an easy present. We know that this present in South Africa is not an easy present. There's lots of challenges. But he says, hold on to Jesus. 
He'd take to the, the church in Philippi who were facing oppression and were facing opposition. And he said, hold on to Jesus. Hold on to that, what he has called you for. Hold on to your role. I said earlier that um, Paul utilized his experiences and him as health as an example to others and gave, gave of himself to others. And I just thought about this and I said that actually Paul had journeyed this. He is a prime example of journeying from past a life of opposing Christ. <laughs> Remember in, on the road to Damascus it was, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? Who are you? I am the Christ. So he had journeyed this. He, had, he understood the journey from past to present. He understood present challenges and expectations on him. The challenges on him were real. He had to come to a realization through people talking into his life and through his experiences that the only way to get through what he was going through was to hold him to Christ. And so therefore he was telling everyone, the only way for you to get through what you're going through is to hold on to Christ. He was not perfect. He admitted it. He speaks often, or not often, he speaks about this thorn in the side. That he was not perfect. He hadn't attained everything, but he kept on pressing on. That's our call. That's, that's his, his um, encouragement to us, is press on because there is victory. Press on because there is a future. There is a future that God has promised us where we will be made perfect. That's why he's got confidence. He was fallen. He had been restored. And he was holding on to Christ for that prize. So Lord, we just thank you that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. That we can hold on to you in our day-to-day -day lives. That we can be challenged by what you are doing in, in our lives, Lord God. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the words that came through the, the worship. I thank you for the encouragement that came through the worship. Pray, Lord Jesus, that in our imperfections that we would rely on you more, that we would be linked to you more, that we would understand you more. I pray as Paul was an encouragement to us of your restoration powers, that if we realize and that we see that we need restoration in certain areas, that we would give that to you. That we would give that to those people around us that would encourage, that would build up. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would not be scared to be a testimony to others. In our weaknesses, in our pasts, Lord God, that we would understand that you have a future for us. I pray, Lord God, that we would continue to hold on to you with everything that we have. In Jesus' name. Yeah, very good, Rich. Um, sure.